Where am I? Good morning. I'm Judith Lay, welcoming you to Praise, the programme that connects faith and daily life. Today is traditionally the start of the week of prayer for Christian unity. It isn't something new. The Church of England started it in 1894. The Roman Catholic Church joined with them the next year and other Christian denominations soon followed. The timing of the week can be altered to suit individual church preferences. Some churches keep the week around the Feast of Pentecost, others in the autumn. Each year, Christian churches in one particular country are invited to choose a theme for the week and prepare a service which churches around the world can adapt for their own use. This year's theme is Unusual Kindness, chosen by the Christian churches in Malta, and I'll be exploring that theme in conversation with Reverend Alex Brown and Louise Whiteleg, who'll join me in a moment with true stories of what unity can achieve and the powerful effect of unusual kindness. There are many different Christian churches and denominations, but all have the same basic calling to worship God, to share the good news about Jesus Christ and to work for the good of all people. So let's celebrate that in our first hymn. In Christ there is no east or west, in him no south or north, but one great fellowship of love throughout the whole wide earth. Marlborough College Chapel Choir with a great hymn of unity, In Christ There Is No East or West. This week is not just about prayer for Christian unity, it's about action too, and so Christian Aid provides a series of daily reflections combined with Go and Do suggested action points, linking this week to the important work of Christian Aid in the relief of poverty and advocacy of justice. I'm joined now by Louise Whiteleg, our local representative for Christian Aid on the island, with a story that fits well with our theme, as it shows what unity and unusual kindness can really achieve. This story begins almost two years ago, when Louise decided to celebrate a milestone birthday by taking a holiday in Burundi, going at her own expense to look at some Christian Aid projects in that country. 
she could never have imagined that she would be so affected by what she saw and the people she met. And that birthday trip would be the start of a permanent relationship with one of the world's poorest countries. It was mind-blowing when I went there and... I am so blessed and so lucky because the rewards that come from it are amazing. I never in a million years have thought I'd still be as affected by that visit as I am now. Louise, let's just put this in in context just very briefly. Burundi, one of the poorest countries in the world. It is actually this year is going to be a particular challenge because 2020 sees their elections, um, which are highly contentious and anticipated to be potentially violent. So we need to hold them in our hearts and our in our thoughts. But Burundi, yes, it's one of the world's poorest countries. It's landlocked between the Democratic Republic of Congo. It's right in that middle belt of where there's quite a few significant problems within Africa. And it's also really, really densely populated because although it's not what we might consider to be safe, it is a safe haven for a lot of the neighbouring countries. So a lot of people almost view it as an extended holiday where they go to Burundi for a safe period while there's troubles in their own country. So there's a lot of fluidity between the borders. So it does mean that it's really densely populated country. But what you saw was heartbreaking poverty, particularly the children. The children, it would actually be more unusual to see a healthy child there than it would be to see the malnourished, the poorly, the sick, the tired children. What I didn't see, though, was any miserable children. Everybody was getting on with the lot that they had, embracing life, and they were valuing everything. They were valuing friendships. They were valuing, crikey, even the plastic, do I dare say, the plastic water bottle that we had. They were clamouring for that because that was an item of of great value and great worth for them and, and status to have this plastic water bottle to get joy out of something that's so disposable. And of course, if people are trying to make a link and thinking, now where have I heard Burundi mentioned elsewhere? The wonderful Harry Owens yeah. and the Isle of Man beekeepers yeah. and the fantastic good work that Harry has done by going yeah. out there. Because of course, against all this difficult background, it's one of the best places for the production of honey. It's got everything that it needs naturally, but what the people need are skills. Harry went out with everything that they needed, but he also took the ability to look at what they'd got and teach them how to make things so that they could become really good beekeepers, producers of honey, giving something that they can supplement their diet with and export as Mm. well. And that was another spin-off directly from the project. I went and saw the problems they were having with the beekeeping, saw the lack of knowledge that they had, and, and I saw it just as an easy solution. We have the knowledge on the island. So, yeah, Harry went over there and plugged that gap. I've just had a report back, actually, from the beekeepers that Harry met. And I've just been privileged to see the photographs of the kit that they've been making. So there's loads of pictures of women who've been making the beekeeping suits from old mosquito nets and just recycling the materials and repurposing the materials that there are there. And the lads that have been making the beehives from scratch as well. So they're starting with their own little cottage industry. So that information that Harry passed on has grown. And then, of course, we had the Christian Aid Week appeal, which focused on Burundi and the International Partnership Development Grant from the Isle of Man government. That bond that's growing between the Isle of Man and the people of Burundi is just so beautiful and fantastic to see. 
but other things that have happened. And this is one of the things that I really wanted to share with you today. Sometimes people make empty promises. When I went over to Burundi, I met with the United Methodist Church over there. Now, I'm a local preacher for the Methodist Church on the Isle of Man. So I was interested to meet with our Methodist brothers and sisters in Burundi while I was there. And I got talking to the bishop. They call him the bishop over there of the Methodist Church, which was a great honour. And he was fairly new into post. And I know that the Methodist women have a meeting. All the Methodist women get together in various different areas of the world. And I knew that in 2019, they were all going to be meeting up in Kenya. And I mentioned this and the bishop told me that they'd never been in a position financially to be able to afford anybody to go. So, of course, you know what comes next. We'll do that for you. I'm sure the Methodist ladies on the Isle of Man will be delighted to support you in sending a lady over. And that was left at that. And then I contacted him in the summer of 2019 and said, uh, well, we've had some fundraisers and some afternoon teas. We had a beautiful summer tea in a beautiful garden party and we've raised the money. Who would you like to send? And I think the expression would be knock him over with a feather or <laughs> words to that effect because he was just so touched that we'd remembered and stuck to the promise. We've actually just had a report back from Valerie. It was a lovely lady called Valerie. And she went to the Methodist Women's Conference, which was held in Kenya. There was over 300 delegates there from many, many different countries, but including UK, Zambia, Malawi, Botswana, all over the place. And it was a fantastic opportunity for her. And one of the things I thought it might be interesting, really, to think about was how... That little bit of money that we raised has just opened a massive door for Valerie. Valerie's come back and she's so excited. She actually tells us that she's inspired to start a new programme. She's calling it Supporting Families and Building Communities. And that's all as a result of her going to this trip in Kenya. So it was that little bit of money because we paid for the travel and we paid for the place in the conference. It was that targeted bit of aid that's going to have this massive domino effect because Valerie just sounds so excited. She's full of new ideas and just energised by being able to network. And it's that fellowship, isn't it? The fellowship and talking to women of faith, discussing ideas, talking frankly about problems. That's how you work out an answer. And it's inspired Valerie to go back to Burundi and make those changes. I would have said, Louise, that your birthday present to yourself a couple of years ago was a gift that is going to keep on giving forever. Because one thing leads to another. And your love affair with Burundi wasn't just for the, the short term. You are concerned with what's happening there all the time. The internet is a real godsend, actually. It can be a problem sometimes, but used correctly, it's absolutely fantastic because I'm just able to easily keep in contact with these people who 10, 15 years ago, it would have been a real challenge to keep the communication going. And it's just fantastic to be able to send a WhatsApp message and to get an answer straight back and some pictures. And this is what happened with Valerie, getting messages back and the beautiful pictures. She actually met the World Federation of Methodist Women President, Alison Judd. So there's all these beautiful photographs of Alison, who's been to the island and spoken to the ladies on the island, in turn meeting up with Valerie in Kenya. The world has become such a small place and it's so beautiful to be able to see how the connections 
keep growing. And also, it's affirming for Valerie. She doesn't feel on her own. She has that support of a new community that she's met and all the faith that goes with that. Definitely. They shared rooms in Kenya. It's it's a more common thing to share a bedroom in Africa. And her roommate was actually from South Africa. And there was another lady from Botswana as well. And she's also become very good friends. So you wonder what friendship and change is going to blossom from that relationship there. One of the things that I was really interested in was that they did a big focus on Thursdays in Black which of course is the campaign against violence against women. It's something that the Methodist Women in Britain and various other organisations have been championing. You wear black on Thursdays to demonstrate female solidarity for females who are struggling and in violent situations. Now, Valerie had never heard of that before. And again, that was one of the things that they did at the conference. And she's now taking that away and she's going to start that in Burundi. So that is going to start so many conversations about violence against women. And again, those conversations, that education, that empowerment of women will hopefully lead to change. This really is our faith in action, Louise, isn't it? Absolutely. And the support from the Methodist women on the Isle of Man and everyone who came to the fundraisers and the conversations that we have, the inclusion in the prayer circles of the ladies in Burundi, this is what Faith in Action really is about. It's not about raising vast sums of money. It's about thoughtful consideration and targeted funding to enable people to make those changes. For the healing of the nations, Lord, we pray with one accord. And before that hymn, Louise Whiteleg was talking about the difference made to the women of Burundi by the targeted generosity of the Isle of Man branch of Methodist Women in Britain. 
If you want to have a chat with Louise Whiteleg about anything she's mentioned today, you'll find her phone number in the directory and she'll be very happy to hear from you. Reverend Alex Brown is an Anglican priest who is the pioneer minister in Douglas, meaning he spends much of his time out and about in the town centre, getting to know people and constantly exploring ways to bring the ministry of the church to where people are, rather than expecting people to come to church. From Monday to Friday this week, Alex will be bringing us a daily Thought for the Day on the theme of Christian unity. He's also got a special event planned for Wednesday evening here in Douglas. So is Wednesday's event also something to do with Christian unity? Yes, it is. I wanted to do something where it was just an open invitation to anyone from any denomination or from no church background who wanted to come together literally to just pray for the needs of Douglas. So there's there's no other agenda. There's no set form of the prayers. We're going to come together upstairs in the Bohemian Bohemian Coffee House opposite next on Strand Street. There are two. Get the right one. It's opposite next. And they've opened it up for us for free. And we just go upstairs and we'll talk with each other for 20 minutes about the needs of Douglas and then we'll get into groups and we'll pray. It's going to be fantastic. You're just saying the needs of Douglas. So you've got a blank sheet of paper and it'll just be fascinating, won't it, to see what people do perceive as the needs? Yes, I mean, I think partly that will depend on who turns up um, because all of us have our own spheres that kind of we operate in and we see different things and different needs that are there. Um, people who work in government, for instance, have got a totally different understanding of what the needs of Douglas are. They hear more figures and, and see more realities. But then there are there are others who don't work in government at all who have friends that the government would never even kind of recognise as having needs. And, you know, so it's really interesting mix of people, hopefully, that, that we'll get. So you're hoping that you will get some little germs of ideas that you might then be able to develop? There are lots of things that over the last two years that people have been suggesting and things that I've got on, a, on a, I've got a big board with all of my ideas on. And, and my plan is to wait until God seems to raise one up and then do that one. So I did have like a strategic plan. Where I thought if we do this here and this here and this here, that will work. But what God seems to have been doing is saying, now I'd like you to do this one. Now I'd like you to do this one. So it, it feels like God wants there to be a, a, a prayer space somewhere in Douglas coming up to Easter. So I'm working towards that. There's a number of people who said they were interested in helping that happen quite independently of each other. So that seems to be one. Also a family fun day type thing. Someone from Alaman government came up to me and said they want to run a like an inclusion day festival type thing at the end of TT and would the churches want to be involved with that? So I was like, yes, they would. But also the idea of like a a grand day out for all the churches to get together with all of our Sunday schools and youth groups and and non-Sunday schools and non-youth groups. Everyone get together somewhere and have like a big summer get together just to be able to meet each other and have a picnic and maybe there's a band who play a couple of songs and we hear a short talk, but not something long. Uh, And lots of people have said that would be a great idea as well. So those, those are the ones that are rearing their heads. Sometimes it's not necessarily your idea, but supporting an idea that somebody else has had. As For example, somebody else saying, oh, a family fun day would be nice. Would the churches be interested? So you don't necessarily have to lead, but you have to be ready to support and follow. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So the, so the government person coming to me and saying, could you help with this? It ticked like four of the things I had down on my board. I had no concept that we could work in partnership with the government and do something. But when she said that, it fitted 
that's what I'm looking for. Those kind of God, God knitting it all together moments. Well, we had a wonderful one last year, didn't we? When Oliver Cheshire from the Douglas Town Centre Partnership, when he came to you and said, what about putting on an open air nativity? Now that didn't happen. It was beaten back by the weather. But I had the privilege of being part of that team with you. But it had a wonderfully unifying feel about it. We, we got to know each other well. I met lots of people I didn't know. We enjoyed working on it together. And that in itself was valuable, wasn't it? Oh, fantastic. And because the, the thing I loved about that, it wasn't just church people who were working on it. We did have people from the town centre, but we also had a teacher who'd got the, a sixth form group involved. There was a, a, a music student who was coming to help with the music. It was great. So many different groups of people. And we're going to look to doing that again next year. And, and I'd like to widen the scope of who is involved in making that happen and not just choose churches to make it happen. Because I think many people in the community are want to be a part of the Christmas story. Yes, and, and want to get back to remind ourselves the reason for the season. So, just remind us again, it's the Bohemian Coffee House that is opposite next on Strand Street. That's right. The date is? Wednesday, this Wednesday the 22nd, and it's at six o'clock. This year's theme for the Week of Prayer for Christian Unity is Unusual Kindness and has been chosen by the Christian churches in Malta. In early February, Christians in Malta celebrate the Feast of the Shipwreck of St Paul, marking the arrival of the Christian faith in that place. The story of the shipwreck of St Paul, as told in the Bible in the Acts of the Apostles, is used for the feast day in Malta and is the text chosen for this year's week of prayer. It's a dramatic story. Paul and his companions have been taken prisoner for preaching the gospel and are being taken to Rome to be tried by the emperor. There are soldiers on board ship to guard the prisoners. The boat is loaded with valuable cargo. There are other passengers and, of course, there are the sailors too, about 300 people in total. The centurion in charge of the soldiers and the prisoners uses his power and orders the sailors to set off, despite the dreadful weather. The boat quickly gets into difficulties and everyone is panic-stricken. But Paul, who knows that he and everyone on board is in God's hands, becomes the calm and reassuring leader. At the height of the storm, the boat is wrecked, the cargo is lost, but everyone is safely washed ashore on an island, later known to be Malta, where they are no longer at the mercy of the elements, but embraced by God, whose presence is made real to them through the island people, who, even though they have absolutely no idea who these unfortunate shipwrecked people are, nevertheless show them unusual kindness. Cold and wet, they can warm and dry themselves by a fire lit for them on the beach. Hungry, they are given food. They are sheltered for some days until the storm dies down and even given fresh provisions when they set sail again. Hospitality is a much-needed virtue in our search for Christian unity. It calls us to a greater generosity to those in need. The people who showed unusual kindness to Paul and his companions didn't know Christ, and yet, through their unusual kindness, a divided people were drawn closer together. Our own Christian unity will be discovered through loving encounters with those who do not share our language, our culture or our faith. 
I asked Reverend Alex Brown if he thinks this is how people generally think of Christian unity, or if there's perhaps some confusion about what this week is really about. I think often we think about unity and we confuse unity with conformity, that everyone has to be facing the same direction, wearing the same clothes, listening to the same things, and that we can have unity once everyone's beliefs are aligned. And I'm not sure that's true. I think the defining thing about unity is diversity with a common goal. For instance, when I was a boy, we, w- we watched on the news the Tiananmen Square event happening. All those Chinese students standing together. I mean, there's, there's no way that all of those students ticked all the same list of things and said, we all believe exactly the same. But there was a common goal that they just knew they had to come together for. And the world saw it. So they were standing together despite their differences. And I think that's the power of unity, is when you get hundreds or thousands or millions of people who have the same drive inside them. Um, so with, with the churches, our, our Christian unity comes from believing Jesus is who he said he was and that we can follow him today and that we can have a real relationship with God through that. And within all that, we'll, we'll worship in different ways. We'll, we'll come to different theological conclusions about various things, but surely we can meet around that. There are two kind of opposite ways that, that Christians can view the whole of humanity. One is that we're all broken and sinful, and the other is that we're all reflecting God. I tend to fall down more on the side of, yes, we're all broken, but ultimately we reflect God, which means that anyone anywhere in the world, anything they do is, is reflecting God. When a normal, ordinary person does an unusual act of kindness, I think that's because they have this innate reflection of God inside them. We all, we all do. That's why Mozart could write such amazing music. You know, it wasn't just because he was a believer. He could have been a non-believer and still have written beautiful, beautiful music because we reflect the creativity and the beauty of God in everything we do. Everybody doing their bit all the time is just incredible. Amanda, Amanda's my wife. We were watching a Ellen DeGeneres show and there were two, two boys in a school and there was a, a third boy who was getting bullied because of the clothes he was wearing and he was, he was quite poor or had some additional needs. And these two boys, they decided they'd go and buy him some cool clothes. So they just came into school and gave him some clothes and it was filmed and it went viral. And so Ellen got these two guys on her show. And then to surprise them, Will Smith came out. Will Smith just said to them, you guys have got it. You have got it. You see a need and you meet the need. That is humanity at its best. It was a really moving, really moving moment. Thank you.
that's where we end today's programme with Huddersfield Choral Society and another hymn that speaks of unity. Thy hand, O God, has guided thy flock from age to age. The wondrous tale is written full clear on every page. My thanks to my guests Louise Whiteleg and Reverend Alex Brown. Thank you for listening to this week's Praise Podcast. There's a new Praise Podcast available every Sunday morning. You can subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify via the Manx Radio smartphone app or at manxradio.com. So, till we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for your company and I wish you and those you love every blessing in the days ahead. Station, Main